You're listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. Hi guys and welcome to ayahuascapodcast.com. As always with you, the hosts and Believe. Today we're joined once again by Oliver Glozik. This is uh, his third time on this podcast. And welcome, Oliver. And what are the topics for today? Thank you very much for having me. And today's topic is a lot about how ayahuasca is gaining popularity in the West, the benefits from it, the drawbacks as well. And um, yeah, how the whole renaissance of um, psychedelic revolution is happening once again. And also the mental health crisis that we are in in most of the part, most of the Western parts of the world. Okay, so what we have on our hands right now is on one side, a mental health crisis, which is, I believe, some statistics go anywhere between 20 to 30% of uh, people in Western society, North America, Europe, that have some form of mental ailment, something like depression, anxiety. Um, the conventional medical establishment doesn't seem to have any solutions. The antidepressants, they only temporarily cover up the symptoms, but the problem doesn't go away. They numb you down, numb you to life. So uh, plant medicines are on the rise. So we kind of have the, the cause, which is the mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. And the result of it is a psychedelic renaissance, the constant growth of um, plant medicines in popularity, which is, I think, a great solution inevitably. But as of now, the numbers are 25% of people are depressed, but only less than 1% of people have had ayahuasca. And hopefully mm. this percentage keeps going up. So from your point of view, Oliver, as a retreat operator as well, same as myself, what have you observed in, in the as it goes in the increase of the popularity? And what do you think is the negative side of this mm. increase? Well, I think the first one is interesting because we're here in Colombia and the ayahuasca in some ways is more popular around the foreigners than it is with the Colombians. And I think it has a lot to do with um, a lot of celebrities openly talking about their ayahuasca experience, starting from Megan Fox, Will Smith, uh, now even Jake Paul, but also a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, uh, uh, thought leaders like um, Aubrey Marcus, he had Aaron Rodgers on um, last year as well. And very likely as well that your favorite content creator is associated with some type of plant medicine, whether it's uh, ayahuasca or magic uh, or like mushrooms, because I think we are so over dominant on our left brain that we're looking to feel again, that we're looking to become in our body as well. And of course, uh, drugs are a big part of it, whether it's uh, alcohol, whether it's some other synthetic uh, drugs, but then um, in some ways they offer a temporary relief from like that over um, focused part on the left brain. But with these plant medicines, we can reestablish that connection with our body, with our heart. For me, first time I drank ayahuasca, I didn't feel anything the first three cups. And I think because I was so head focused, always overthinking, always thinking about the next problem. And um, yeah, these plant medicines can ground us a lot more in ourselves. So I think that's one of the 
big reasons for the gaining of the popularity, also because so many public figures are talking about it. But I also think it's it can be a drawback, that it can be something, oh, it's on my bucket list, or I want to be able to talk to my friends about it, that I did this as well. And I think ayahuasca, you should feel it in your heart because you feel like there's something within you that you want to overcome, something that you, an emotional event that you haven't been able to process to move past it, but also to create a vision for yourself, to get you to know yourself better on a deeper level, to see your blind spots, but not just something like, oh, I also did uh, ayahuasca. It can also like lead to the over glamorization of the experience. And it's like, oh, I need to have done it. And I think that's mm -hmm. not the, not the way to do it. Yeah, some of the <clears throat> some of the example of our retreat here, we are as always reporting from La Huayra. Uh, the we have four types of the retreats. We have four day retreats, we have one week retreats, we have eleven day retreats, and we have eighteen day <laughs> retreats. So we notice that a lot of people that come for the four days, which is the minimum we provide, uh, they come for those reasons: bucket list or just curiosity. And uh, we notice how much different the groups are when they come for longer than those mm. that come for a shorter amount of time because the commitment is not there, the research has not been done, the intention has not been set properly. So this is the dark side, you can say, of the popularization of ayahuasca because a lot of people do it for the wrong reasons. However, I personally believe um, even if you do ayahuasca for wrong reasons, there might be a part of you that is actually there bringing you to ayahuasca for the right reasons, mm. but you don't have the connection for that part. And paradoxically enough, ayahuasca itself is the part that opens it up. For example, when I first did ayahuasca, as I like to say, the reason for it was a mix of curiosity and quiet desperation. Mm. It's like I was curious to do it, but I was also understanding that something is wrong with me and I don't seem to know what to do. So it, it, this combination led me to ayahuasca and ayahuasca was a perfect tool to actually open me up. And eventually, now years later, I can uh, go back to that event and mm. understand that a lot of things started from there and, and my growth and change started from there. But what we notice a lot of times with people that come for the four-day retreats and at the four-day retreat, you only have two ayahuasca ceremonies. It's important to understand when working with ayahuasca, if it's your first time, first ceremony half of the group will connect. Second ceremony, 75% of the group will connect. Third ceremony, 90% of the group will connect. And then after every ceremony, 2% two, two more. Ayahuasca is not magic mushrooms. Ayahuasca is not like other drugs because it's not a drug. It's very unpredictable. It's very unique. It has a mind of its own. And sometimes people come in and they like, I just want this experience. I'm going to have those two ceremonies. And then it just happened to be ayahuasca is not working for them. And then what we notice, whether the, those short-term people connected or not, some of them, because of the culture that we create at the retreat where we explain to people, this is not about drugs, this is not about visions, it's about healing. Eventually, after having that experience, whether they have connected and had this breakthrough or whether or not, then they book another one-week retreat, mm -hmm. like a few months later, because they now understand what it's all about. So. My goal for this podcast, and that's why I'm going in so much detail, is education about that topic. To sort of change the misconceptions about ayahuasca as being a drug. Ayahuasca is not a drug. Ayahuasca is a medicine. It's been so for thousands of years. It's only been called a drug for the last 50 years. 
And if you come to ayahuasca with that mindset of it being a sacred plant medicine that will heal you and help you, it will heal you and help you. If you start the communication early with the plant spirit, it will respond. So first of all, Oliver, what do you think about that? And what do you think about my maths, about mm -hmm. people and their not connection, because you connect to the ayahuasca before you even drank it. The moment you mm -hmm. decided to drink it, you, you establish a connection. What I'm talking more about is the breakthrough, this big bang moment that mm -hmm. a lot of people expect from ayahuasca. What do you think about my formula? 50, 75, 90, and then 2% every night. Um, I think the seven-day retreats are amazing. And uh, because it also allows you to decompress. It's not just like you come and you uh, are gone right away again, but you have time to like go deeper in your intention, discover more things about yourself. Also, the more ayahuasca you drink, the deeper you go into your own process as well. At the same time, you know, people also have a life. And for some people, it's uh, easier to take off seven days than it is for others. It's also understandable that um, for some people, they have a lot of respect and it's like, well, I'm not sure if like my first time I want to go right away for four ceremonies and uh, start off with two is, I think, in some cases also recommendable, especially if you want to take your first steps with ayahuasca, if you want to get to know ayahuasca. But if you want, are lo really looking for that deeper shift, then I'm a big fan of the one week retreats. But also what you said, in the end, the ayahuasca does what the ayahuasca does. And we even had people after one ceremony were just like, oh, I'm not even going to need the second ceremony because I need, need to like a journal and I feel like I got all the answers that I was looking for. I personally <laughs> don't fall into that category, but there are people who then also say, like, hey, I might come back in three years, might come back in five years. I looked within, I found the answers that I was looking for. But also many times it's uh, not that ayahuasca solves your problem, it, it shows you your problem in some ways even more, it confronts you with yourself, you see the things that you're doing uh, good, what you're doing bad, and also shows you a path to healing. If we talk about mental health issues, about I had a person after a ceremony said like, I feel like I want to be closer again to people. And I noticed that people start to become a lot more human through drinking ayahuasca, more compassionate towards themselves, towards others, wanting to create also those non-transactional relationships. Because a lot of relationships in the West are based on, oh, I did this for, for that person, what is that person doing in return? And if you're always calculating, you, it's not gonna serve you. But once you create those uh, deeper non-transactional relationships in your life, you feel like you have a safety net, that's when a lot of the anxiety, the depression goes away. So that's a little bit of a detour, more specifically about the numbers. I think it depends from the batch of ayahuasca, how much ayahuasca you're uh, sharing as well. Uh, also, depending if you're there for four days or for two days, you know, let's say you're there for four days, you can take it a bit slower in the, for four ceremonies, you can take it a bit slower as well. Whereas if you're there only for two ceremonies, you, even though after two ceremony, two, two cups of ayahuasca, you're tired, your stomach is upset. You're just like, oh no, I don't want to drink. But then you remember your intention and it's like, hey, there's a reason why I'm here. And then you take the extra step. And then when you take the extra step, it's also rewarded. And maybe if you, uh, are there for four ceremonies you say like oh no tomorrow is another day and tomorrow is also another day and it's good to have that patience with these plant medicines too um, but we do have uh, 
a lot of people connecting strongly within two nights as well. Mm -hmm. And we also work with a, with a purgative that uh, on the pur we have a purging day and a seven-day retreat where it really cleans out your body. Um, and it's also an opportunity for people to drink before the ayahuasca, it's, uh, before the uh, short retreat. And that way their body is really clean when approaching uh, ayahuasca. It's part of the tradition that we follow. And that way, if you do like the extra credit, the extra homework, you're going to connect more in the, in the two ceremonies as well. Definitely. But um, just a quick sum up from, from me personally. One week is perfect, both for the people that are coming for the first time and those who did it before and do ayahuasca once mm -hmm. a year. One week is just optimal. One week for ceremonies. If you have done ayahuasca before several times, you don't have much time. All you have is like a long weekend and you want to reconnect or maybe get answers for a few questions you have. Go for four days. If you have not done ayahuasca before or if you've done it before and you want to do a deep dive and like go really deep mm -hmm. or you have a specific issue to resolve, then choose 11 days or 18 days. Generally, we find that every month, a couple of people do 18 days, a couple of people do 10 days, but most people do, do the weeks. And I think one week is just, uh, just optimal. So that's uh, just a quick, quick word of advice. And, but reality is... Um, it's not about connection because you are connecting with the medicine. Mm -hmm. Even if you're just purging, you can go back in this podcast and listen. I think two or three episodes ago, I interviewed um, one of the patients and he has, not, he has felt that he has not felt anything during the retreat. He did one week and he thought it was mostly just purging. It was very mild. Then when he came back home, his wife looked at him. He said, she said he changed. His kids noticed he changed. His parents <laughs> noticed he changed. And then six months after that, he realized that, yeah, I, I truly changed. I'm no longer depressed. Mm. Then he messaged me and said, can you send me the Lawara logo? I want to tattoo it. So, ah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so you might not yeah. even, a lot of stuff, mm -hmm. a lot of work with ayahuasca is sub-perceptual. You might not even know that you're getting the healing, but you will inevitably notice the results. So, which, which brings us to the topic of, you know, we're in the exciting times of psychedelic renaissance. There's once again research on psychedelics. There's once again people, um, you know, working with psychedelics. Uh, there's some, you know, loopholes in the laws which allow people to start retreats and people work with ayahuasca, psilocybin, mushrooms. They also work with San Pedro and people can now finally start to get long-term release. There's also clinical studies, things like ketamine are being legalized and if done in the proper setting, provide great results so it's it's a really exciting moment we live in because of that change uh, and a lot of hope that comes and to to heal this mental health crisis but also it comes with another dark side and that means that there's a lot of unregulated uh, space uh, which allows for quick creation of you know sort of quick one week sort of retreats and that uh, can can bring some some drawbacks as well meaning like maybe people that don't wish the best or maybe they don't respect certain rules or maybe they want to take advantage of the patients um what do you think about that oliver about that topic well it's pretty interesting because 
in some ways we started out like that right it's like hey i we have a, like i have a thinker here where we can do the retreat i know a great shaman i know some people who want to drink ayahuasca let's bring those three things together and uh, let's um, start it and um, you know we both had the, the heart in the right place and uh, you stay committed to the process and uh, we see the fruits of our labors you know years um, after um, at the same time, now looking back on it, it's also a bit crazy to think about that, you know, in some ways it's a uh, operation on the psyche of people. And uh, for me to just say like, oh, I know a shaman and I know a thinker and let's go drink some ayahuasca and I'm going to give you even some advice and some recommendation, even though I've been like drinking ayahuasca for one year, it's seems a bit absurd now looking uh, back on it i think having the heart in the right place is very important and um, it's also a very delicate thing because for example people are in very open states not just in the ayahuasca but also in the sharing circles after as well and everybody has their projections i have my projections um, and for me it's very important to say for example in the sharing circle when something is my personal opinion. That it's like, hey, this is the way that I see things. Look at it, feel into it for yourself and see if that's, if you want to take that uh, away, away with you because, and those are things that develop over time. Uh, and I think that there can be those, those problems that somebody who's just starting out obviously doesn't have that i mean if you look at a, a therapist he goes to school for how many years before he's able to work with a patient and here it can be oh, i know a, a, a titan i know a thinker where we can do some uh, ayahuasca but i also think in some ways you put out an energy and then somebody resonates with that and then it clicks because that person who comes to like the very novice retreat center and in some ways he decides to go to that place he could come to a very well-established retreat center he could go to a luxury ayahuasca retreat center he can go to a more affordable ayahuasca retreat center he can be go to the jungle and drink uh, directly with the indigenous so i think there's a lot of um, a lot of um, open market in some ways which is good and it goes back to also the responsibility of the participants to think okay where do i want to drink where do i feel safe and uh, i can say the people who first drank with me also had uh, very powerful experiences and the uh, prices were a lot cheaper and uh, they got great results as well but now from a little bit more of a mature perspective it does feel a bit absurd as well that on such mm -hmm. important of a topic like mental health if you then even add maybe uh, thoughts about suicide into the mix and all that kind of stuff that all of a sudden somebody is in a position that they maybe in the beginning he was like hey, i want to help help people bring help bring people to ayahuasca and now i have to deal with that person who has suicidal thoughts it can be a lot for the facilitator as well so um it's a it's a intricate topic it's much more complicated than it seems it's important to understand that with everything out there somebody have started it someday so mm -hmm. because there does not exist yet or is in the process of creation the industry of ayahuasca retreats uh let's say the first university was founded, you know, a long time ago, but who was taught in that university if they couldn't go to university to study? You know, somebody <laughs> has to, it's like a chicken and egg sort of dilemma, what started first. Somebody has to start it. What helped me personally 
to feel good about starting a retreat, especially in, the, in its very first rudimentary form, as you say, here I am at the Finca, I know Taita, I know people who are interested in mm -hmm. the healing. What helped me was grounding myself in the tradition, obviously mm -hmm. knowing like, okay, this person is a shaman and he comes from a family of a shaman and they've been doing it for thousands of years, which is really nice and very helpful and, and is a good start. However, uh, I must admit that the indigenous way of doing things might not be exactly the perfect thing for, for the modern day people mm -hmm. because in the indigenous cultures, they have other containers which they can ground themselves in after the ceremony or before. So for us, then we, as we, as we started organizing things and getting more professional, we started including more of a Western style integration and um, sharing circles and talk therapy. And I think kind of nicely grew to the spot where I'm very convenient that what we provide now is, is a very, very helping uh, product because once again, uh, every year we have close to a thousand people and that talks, talks to itself because they, they message us, they let us mm -hmm. know. But yeah, some, sometimes you get into situations where you get very difficult people and you have to sort of pathfind and like navigate, um, you know, new waters that nobody navigated before. Like when you get a person that is a suicidal and then they're, you know, they, they want to, they, they, they think those thoughts and, and then you're worried like, what if, you know, tonight they're just going to kill themselves? It's like, it's, it's a very tricky topic, but with a lot of love, with a lot of care, somehow it always turns out well. And then a lot of those suicidal people that came to our retreat as a last resort, uh, as far as I know, they're all still alive, which um, it's a really nice, nice thing to think about. But in the end of the day, we're not alone. We also have the ayahuasca, which is the main star of the show, which is actually mm. doing the most of the healing. So you have the retreat center, you have the medicine, you have the group. And when you mix them all together, together it brings out that healing, which makes those suicidal people stop being suicidal. Mm. Feel the love of other people in the group. Feel the love mm. of the medicine. Feel the love of the shaman, the facilitators. Really connect with it and really heal. So, but yes, occasionally, unfortunately, because of how rushed everything is, there are some retreat centers that pop up for, for a few days or a few weeks or a few months that maybe start with not a best intention. They just think they might look at as an established retreat center and think like, look at them, they have all these people and they make all this money. Mm. I'm just going to go and make money. And uh, I think we talked about it in our first ever episode about how it is uh, facilitating. So guys, go back and listen to it. If you want to start an ayahuasca retreat, you'll <laughs> find a lot of wisdom there. But yeah, and but the reality is, in this wild west of new industry being established, um, the time always shows who has right intentions mm -hmm. and it puts everything in its places. And the good places, I believe, survive and get improved and the bad places eventually nothing gets hidden forever and they, they get brought to the clear water and uh, slowly disappear. So that's, that's, that's on, the, on the drawbacks of, of the psychedelic renaissance, but the, posit the positive side is much bigger because we are really desperate in the Western society for, for some kind of solutions. And uh, I myself, when I felt like I was getting depressed and I didn't really know the solutions and last thing you want is to take an antidepressant that 
numbs you down and also takes away your libido and will to to do anything so having found ayahuasca and having had that healing experience has uh, been a blessing and then a motivation to sort of spread the mm. word and, and exciting things are coming i believe more nice retreats will be started over the next few years mm. here in colombia and in the world in general <clears throat> more and more studies will be conducted that maybe we'll find a way to explain how exactly does the medicine work and um, hopefully as the as the legalization uh, increases and more more places are allowed to drink medicine they will not forget the tradition because um, taking ayahuasca without the shamanic tradition is kind of like taking the roots off the tree mm -hmm. then it will i don't know how you can abuse ayahuasca it's really difficult because it's a it's a really tough love kind of medicine but definitely taking away the tradition uh, will lead to can lead to a lot of a lot of negative uh, side effects i'm also like thank you very much for sharing and uh, a lot of movement because it's like a new field and uh, so much need for for people to find solution for their mental health problems and for me i'm more on the conserv conservative side of the spectrum you know you mentioned ketamine and then there's also mdma therapy and also i believe scientific studies about the benefits of both of these as well and i've never taken ketamine so i cannot talk from first-hand experience but for me what I really connect with ayahuasca is what you said, the tradition, and that people have been doing that for thousands of years. That I meet people who've been drinking ayahuasca for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and I see how they conduct themselves, how they live their lives, and I get inspired by that. Whereas with, um, you know, with MDMA, I can see that when you take that and you feel all the love, it can get you out of a funk that you might have been in. So I'm not, and I think everything has its time and place as well. At the same time, addictive properties, um, how healthy is it for the body? Is it something that, you know, been there for 50, 60 years? It's not something that I would want to lean on, not something that I would want my go-to uh, thing to be. So uh, for me, knowing that there is an ancestral path, knowing that there's been people who've been walking this before me gives me a lot of security in it. It's not like I'm experimenting with it. It's not like also I heard about some ketamine clinics where there's then people are, you know, on the bed and with some white lights and all that kind of stuff. And it's more about injecting the substance than and taking away the ceremonial aspect of it as well, because the ceremonial aspect is huge when, from my perspective, when it comes to these uh, plant medicines and to not over, uh, overanalyze it again and have all this this is how all of this works but like experience it for yourself talk with people who have done it and of course i understand there's also uh, people who need to see the scientific evidence but it's also so much more than just uh, the dmt that you're taking in it's a connection of the spirit of the plant and following that tradition gives me a lot of confidence and personally i'm a bit skeptical about uh, ketamine and then mushrooms and then even people who then do a retreat and add four different medicines uh, in one thing and then after, add another bufo in there and this and that I'm like mm -hmm. to mixing too many things is also something that I'm not a fan of 
Yeah, it can be very confusing. I have a very similar belief system. My approach to uh, medicines, let's say if somebody, somebody calls them drugs, but I'm not taking anything that doesn't have at least a thousand year old tradition. So, mm. uh, <clears throat> yeah, I've tried marijuana a couple of times. It has ancient tradition, many mm. thousands of years. I've had uh, psilocybin mushrooms. They have thousands of year tradition, ayahuasca. Alcohol. San Pedro, alcohol, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, some of them, you, you always need to, you know, have, um, be careful when you navigate because mm -hmm. every plant is different. There are benefits and drawbacks, but it, it definitely helps to understand that there has been thousands of years mm -hmm. of people doing it. So it's like, let's say they discovered some nice, new, fancy psychedelic that you take it once and all your problems go away. But okay, what's going to happen in 10 years? What about your children? What's going to happen to your children? Does that affect your DNA? Does, is there some very skeptical about new stuff? And um, it's, it's just good to see, yeah, like here's a shaman and here's his dad and his mm. granddad was mm, also a shaman awesome. and they drank ayahuasca for all their life and they lived to be 100 years old. <laughs> this is really reinforcing, mm. especially those medicines. I like the aspect of the traditional plant medicines with pain first, pleasure later. Mm -hmm. For example, with ayahuasca, when you when you drink it, um, I would say 70% of your ceremonies will be hard work, mm -hmm. hard work, uh, physical purging, mentally hard work. And then when you go back to your real life, you feel the relief and you feel mm -hmm. good. So it's not an escape thing. It's not something you will just do on the whim and be like, here I have some some ayahuasca in my bar, I'm just gonna go mm. take a cup. Like mm. there is no impulse. You will never see a junkie under the bridge taking ayahuasca, you know, to escape from his pain. It is not like this. It doesn't have that tendency. But with ketamine, for example, if it's done outside of the clinical setting, people die from ketamine. Uh, mm. People abuse things like that. So when you go into this world of medicine slash drugs, because what we're talking about now is Mm. arguably medicines or drugs like where do you draw the line is very personal but if you go into this world and start exploring definitely think about it and um, of course we're biased because we <laughs> both run an ayahuasca retreat but the reason I ended up in this work is because I've tried it myself mm. and I've seen it I've seen the tradition I've seen young children drinking ayahuasca in the jungle and being the most awoken and the most uh, bright-eyed uh, kids I've ever seen and then everything till till the old people and I've never seen ayahuasca being abused however you do see other substances being abused so just be careful do your research make sure you're going to right places you're going to drink right medicines and um, yeah I, just I be safe a, I got a question for you Sam yeah um, apart from ayahuasca, what is something that you would recommend somebody uh, to do when they have anxiety, when they experience depression to mm -hmm. overcome that? Or people who even come here and have that awe-inspiring experience and then they're just like, oh, but I'm going to go home and then I'm going to be in those fa uh, familiar situations and those familiar situations and those people, they're going to trigger certain things in me. So apart from ayahuasca, what are things that you... Uh, can recommend people to overcome those mental health issues? 
So the, those are the, the good old uh, advice that, you know, your mom would give you kind of things. Because when people come to the retreat, uh, before they leave, we always say, uh, you now have the newly found flexibility in your brain. You are suggestible, which means this is the best time for you to start with good habits. So, for example, at our retreat, we always give people an integration journal, which is a journal that you can start journaling. So mm -hmm. one of the best tips would be pick up journaling. If you have a thought, don't allow it to bounce around your name, bounce around your brain like a stray bullet. Capture it, put it on the paper, analyze it, and this really helps. Meditation, mm. amazing, amazing tool. And if you start meditating right after the ayahuasca retreat, you will feel like it's going to hit you so much better. Breathing exercises, mm. Wim Hof style breathing exercises, very simple, 40 deep breath, you hold your breath. It's amazing. It can kind of like yank you out of your, re-yank you out of your, you know, negative state mm. of mind very quickly. Eyes bath. Amazing. And mm. once again, you get into the cold, all the thoughts magically go away. Mm. Walk, walks in the nature, you know, doing sport, going to the gym. If you are more advanced and you want to take the plant path, uh, using rapé uh, mm. also really helps to center your thoughts. Uh, I'm a big fan of work with tobacco. Even taking tobacco, I'm not saying smoking cigarettes, but taking a, a tobacco and smoking it ceremonially, doing cleanses for yourself also really helps. Doing plant baths, amazing mm -hmm. tool. Uh, kind of, I guess, hard to find in the Western world, but there are certain plants that are very common. You know, cinnamon, you boil some cinnamon with some lemongrass and it's already a cleansing, mm -hmm. cleansing plant bath. That really helps sometimes for myself personally when I feel heavy to sort of wash it away. So all the good habits, everything your grandma told you to do <laughs> is yeah. the kinds of things you want to do. And in the end of the day, as I like to say, Ayahuasca is the gateway. It's a door to this world of self-improvement, self-growth, and spirituality. It doesn't. You don't have to be drinking ayahuasca every day for the rest of your life. You start drinking ayahuasca, you create a relationship with it. You can drink it once a year, once every few years, or when something happens and you need to process emotions quickly. But in between those retreats, the integration that you do, the real applicable life change, um, that you do all the good habits that you implement and everything works including i know some people that practice religions in, mm -hmm. in a very sustainable way mm -hmm. that can also help prayer can also mm -hmm. help everything it's like uh, everything you do matters as long as it's in, in the right direction and ayahuasca can just be this catalyst around which your healing journey will will begin uh, what about uh, you, Oliver? Do you have anything to offer to to add to that um, list? Well, you have a pretty long list, <laughs> and all of those are absolutely great. You know, what can I do right now to like get rid of that uh, anxiety, um, depression that I'm feeling? And a lot of times, once you start moving, once you start exercising, then you'll start feeling better as well. Uh, what I found for myself is also in some ways recreating a different identity. You know, before I was comparing myself a lot to others, to their pro progress, my progress, uh, how's that person doing? Always kind of like evaluating where do I stand in the social uh, status and all that kind of stuff. And if you are, when I had those thoughts, like no wonder that I'm uh, anxious, no wonder that I'm feeling judged. And to it was a big journey for me to 
re-meet myself, to find myself on a, on a deep level, to accept myself the way I am and to not have my self-worth de dependent if that uh, person says yes or no to me, whether it's a romantic partner, whether it's a, a rejection in business or friendship. So for me, it has been a lot about um, cultivating that, that self-love and letting go of those yeah, those ideas of, you know, Instagram and everybody has a perfect life and how can I uh, play towards it and uh, I want to have that good job so then my parents are proud of me or the people who I graduated with think that I'm a big shot or whatever. I think those are thoughts that make us uh, mentally sick and by changing that identity, those ways of thinking, by ways of being, one thing that I notice that people with ayahuasca, I mentioned earlier, start to become more human. And that humanness, I think, uh, helps with that anxiety and depression. Because if, for me, I feel very little anxiety. Um, I can count it on one, one hand how many times I felt anxiety this year. And every time I felt it, it was a signal to me that something is wrong in my life and to like feel into it like hey why why is that person why is that situation so impactful that it gets me out of my state of inner stability what does that person what does that situation represent to me why do i think that that uh, has such a big impact on my life and how can i switch that to create that inner abundance within to not be dependent on uh, those people situations anymore and apart from all these um, tangible recommendations that you shared, I think that inner journey process, which also, of course, ayahuasca helps facilitate, has been very transformational for me to overcome those anxiety, that unsureness within me. So, yeah, it's not just stuff that you add in your life like good habits, but it's also things that you take away, like, you know, toxic thinking patterns mm -hmm. and also toxic people. Mm -hmm. If you, if I tell you right now, toxic person, who does come in mind <laughs> from your friend group? If you thought about a name or a face, if you can just, you know, take, take your distance from that person because you can, you can come to ayahuasca to experience healing and heal the trauma but you can't heal the trauma that's being formed and if you have a friend that makes you feel bad about yourself then avoid that person or maybe have one conversation where you call them out and you say you know you actually make me feel bad and i don't want that anymore in my life because you can come and drink ayahuasca and feel better and then go back to them and the reason i tell it is because people come here and then they report it's like i came here and i felt so great and then I had this idea to go visit my sister and my sister made me feel terrible and now I'm back to square one and I feel like coming back again and doing ayahuasca, which of course will lift you up from the from the pit and but you also need to understand that if you're doing that work with ayahuasca and you're investing your time and your money to get the relief, you also need to cherish it and uh, do all the all the good things and avoid all the bad things to to allow you to stay in that space. And for those of you who have been to the retreat and have connected and felt amazing, best ever, best you've ever felt before, what really helps as well to reconnect with that feeling is to listen to the medicine mm -hmm. music. 
to you know meditate and uh, do things that remind you of that experience and hang out with people that you met at an ayahuasca retreat because they will be your family now they are your you're in the same journey you started at the same time and you can find a lot of things in common like uh, me and oliver why do we meet up and talk and record this podcast is because he runs an ayahuasca retreat i run an ayahuasca retreat we have problems in common and it's kind of nice to talk about that so find people who, who you have common problems with and uh, remember that we are social creatures and mm. uh, a lot of uh, your healing will come from that group dynamics and we are very lonely right now as a mm. as a society so Thanks find, find people is a big, big topic yeah find people that you vibe with and find people that you can talk to make your own mini word circles at uh, at home um yeah i really love i really love word circles like it's such a magical such a simple and such a magical thing like whenever i have a, any conflict in a team i just collect everyone's like guys let's speak and mm -hmm. if everyone speaks mm -hmm. their truth and everyone truly listens there's almost no problem you can't resolve it's just mm -hmm. right now for us the communication is missing like if there's a conflict people just shut down and they just avoid and, and leave and go to another environment where the same situation repeats um, but I think we're losing our topic. What was our topic? Our topic was the gaining of popularity of ayahuasca, mental the, health crisis, the growth, the, the growth of popularity. So it's an exciting time to be alive, definitely. Uh, it's a, it's a time where I keep I keep saying in the in the in the groups when people arrive, like my dad is an alcoholic. He faced similar problems when he was in his. Um, he was young and he was starting to have family and distress and when he was trying to run away from that pain or from that depression that was starting to form he chose alcohol so there was no ayahuasca back then mm. he didn't know mm. better and he just followed that step and then it uh, put him on the wrong path now we live in the time where you have ayahuasca where you have yoga retreats meditation retreats you have um, this whole wellness culture and you're one google search away from starting to change your life and it's amazing it's super exciting like i'm thinking what if i didn't find ayahuasca instead when i was starting to get depressed i would i don't know smoke marijuana or start drinking a lot or where would i be now and mm -hmm. it's like how awesome it is to be alive in this time and yes there will be some negative uh, moments maybe some people will try and abuse power that ayahuasca gives you and maybe try to take advantage of people or my biggest concern is like when you work with ayahuasca people get in a very suggestible state they really open up so it's really important for us as facilitators to maintain that neutral stance where we're not promoting a specific mm -hmm. way of thinking or a religion or something like that because um, it's very easy if you're some there are some retreats I've heard about where the, the leader is a bit of a narcissist and they make it all about themselves and start to create like a little, it starts to get like a, like a cultish vibes. Um, I'll answer that later myself, but the tricky question for you, Oliver, what's the difference between a cult and an ayahuasca retreat? Well, I think what's important for me is to remind people of their power. 
that I like to say, you know, we grow up and in the beginning we start to listen to our parents, then to school, society, university, whatever. And now it's not about now you need to listen to the shaman or to the facilitator or whatever, but that you discover your own inner voice and have the courage to follow that. And I think in a cult, it's more about putting the next person on the pedestal and he has all the answers and he has all the answers for your life. But who is that person to have the answer for your life? You need to connect with that own inner mastery with your own intuition and you know deep down and sometimes it can feel more like a saying that you know all the answers are within but with ayahuasca you can re start removing that conditioning and figure that truth out within yourself and uh, yeah it's for me to know that everybody ha carries that divine spark within them and i want to cultivate more and more of that divine spark within me so it's it, inspires others to find that divine spark within themselves and they don't they're not going to need me to solve their problems because they found that connection towards themselves and i think that's uh, the way i see the differences is if the ayahuasca retreat is run in the right way great answer because we have not uh, rehearsed that one so i would explain the same thing but only with different words with a cult or a religion you have a person that had a sacrament or had a vision, then they write a book and, and now you have to blindly believe in their vision or in mm. their truth or in their interpretation of the divine. At an ayahuasca retreat, or especially at the good one, you are the ones as patients who are having the sacrament. Then you come to us in a word circle after the ceremony and then you tell us what you see and you tell us about how the universe works. So... Nobody at, and uh, if you come to any other retreat and not, not, not our retreat or uh, Oliver's retreat, uh, observe that. If somebody is trying to, mm. the flow of information should be going from, from the group participants to, to the organizers. So ex except from obviously the organizational part, they, they should ex teach you how to navigate your experience and stuff like that. But if you come to a retreat and they tell you what to believe in or use a certain religious methodology or um, they might, you know, basically guide you in some direction that feels foreign to you, this would be the red flag. So when you go somewhere, make sure there is um, there's space for you. The, the good test would be no matter what religion you're from, no, ma no matter what you believe, uh, it must all be acceptable because I do believe that um, all the religions, they kind of talk about the same thing, but in a different language. So I believe that we covered the topic pretty well about the, the growth mm. and they, it is exciting, guys. It is really exciting. And I think good things are coming for us as a society. I do predict that within the next 10 years, we'll go from what is ayahuasca? to when's the last time you did ayahuasca, hmm. kind of like it happened yeah. with the meditation. Yeah. I do dream of a world where one day we wake up and everyone has had ayahuasca or at least similarly compatible experience and people are more loving and more open. I'm an optimist. I believe it will happen and life will be great, but maybe not. What do you think, Oliver? What do you believe in? Well, it's interesting because my mom is a yoga teacher for more than 25 years. And when she started, yoga was 
not a thing in Europe. Like, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you do these poses or whatever. And now it's like the most natural thing. Like, oh, what can I do to feel better? Oh, try some yoga. Um, and it's in some ways, it's like it came from India. Now it's like the opposite side of the world. But I see it because people are looking for solutions. And if you look for a solution, you find an answer. And uh, it's obvious that ayahuasca can be that answer and you know at one point there's going to be the tipping point where there's it's going to be even more socially acceptable to do it because you know there's people who come through the retreat center who say like oh no i don't want to be in in pictures i don't want to uh, have my face publicly be associated with ayahuasca because some social norms and i can see that changing a lot in the next 5 10 15 years that uh, and many people will see that as positive things when uh, somebody says like, oh, I'm doing ayahuasca, I'm, uh, I'm maybe even going to a therapist, I'm doing things to figure myself out to become a better human. And this is the path that I'm, I'm taking for that. So I do see how just how I saw yoga expand uh, from, from, from my mom. In the last 25 years, I can hopefully we'll see that same development with ayahuasca as well. And when that happens, guys, everyone and their grandma will be listening to this podcast. So you're the early, uh, you're the early comers, the early birds. So on that positive note, guys, thank you again for listening. Uh, thank you, Oliver, for coming. Um, once again, you listen to ayahuascapodcast.com. As always with you, the host, Sam Believe. If you are interested in attending one of our retreats, go to lawara.com. Lawara is spelled on my t-shirt right here. <laughs> For those of you who are listening and not uh, watching the video, it's L-A-W-A-Y-R-A dot com. And thank you for listening and I'll see you in the other episode. Vibrando